welcome to the creek. If you come in since we started, thank you so much for being here, especially if you're a guest of ours. We think that it is awesome that you gave us a few moments of your time today. So thank you for being here. For those of you joining us online, thank you for uh, clicking on, and uh, hopefully you'll enjoy the journey with us today. Uh, my name is Jack, and I'm our Williamsburg pastor, which means I don't really have a church yet, so I'm here in London today. All right, and so I'm uh, just thankful that I get to have a church uh, to be here with you today. So, uh, but today we're going to continue uh, in our series. We're gonna, this changes everything. And uh, today we're going to try to come to a conclusion because in this series, what we've been talking about is a small thing. If you just make a small tweak, it can have huge impact for your life. It can have huge impact for the lives of the people around you, and it can have huge impact uh, for the lives down the road to come that you'll meet and the influences that you'll get to have. And that small thing is simply this. It is this. It is gratitude. Everybody say gratitude with me. There we go. So we're on the right track. So gratitude is a huge deal. And in the first week, what we came to find out that oftentimes we feel gratitude, right? We're, we kind of feel thankful when people do things for us. We, we feel all right, but really it's ingratitude unless it's expressed. In order to have gratitude shown, it has to be known, and so you've got to take a step and do something about it. Uh, and that, and that re relies on you taking that step. And so gratitude is a big deal, and we found out if we'll learn how to practice gratitude, then there's a huge outcome that comes from it. Last week we found out that that is this word here, and that is generosity. And I would say most people at some point in their life, in a small way, big way, I don't know, in between, you've been impacted by somebody's generosity. Uh, if you're sitting in this room today watching online, you've been impacted by somebody's generosity. And generosity is a big deal for us here at the Creek. As a matter of fact, we say it all the time, but uh, we believe that generosity changes lives. As a matter of fact, the book of Romans would tell us this, that it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. And so when we're kind, it helps change some things. And we're going to talk about that a little bit in just a moment. But gratitude does produce some incredible outcomes. Those outcomes... Uh, as we move along in this, uh, we're going to find out that we'll have more things that will happen right for us. And Paul's going to teach us a little later on in our talk about some things that we can do, some steps that we can take for gratitude to be shown even more. So if we'll institute this idea of gratitude, then some better things can even happen. But before we get there, and because I've got the mic today, I'm going to do something maybe a little cliche. I've been here nine years, and I never get to stand and say thank you. And so I want to say thank you for being a part of our church. I got to be here for nine years. I've seen a lot of changes. I am deeply grateful for Trevor and our staff and be able to come on board and see the life change that has happened time and time and time and time again. I am incredibly grateful to be on a staff that it's not just about what we do here on Sunday. It's about what we do each and every day of our lives. And we want to challenge you to be on mission, on task, to, to be kind, to be grateful, and to love people, to love God, love people, and see people become fully devoted followers of God. We have an incredible staff. Some of y'all may not even know who all of our staff are, but they're working week in and week out. And I get to work with some great people that are creating these environments, creating these opportunities, and also meeting the, meets, uh, the needs and the demands that come week in and week out. We have an incredible staff that loves love you and love other people and they want to see the best for you. And I get to work with those people week in and week out. Also, for our volunteers guest team that's out there, today some of you all came into the parking lot, maybe you had a little crummy attitude going on. Or maybe the morning just didn't go as you had expected and somebody shook your hand, met you with a smile, and all of a sudden it maybe kicked you off that path a little bit and your morning's going in a little bit better direction. Hopefully I won't derail that. But anyway, but hopefully it's going in that direction. I'm thankful for those guys that come and live in the parking lot, they're at the doors, and they do something great. They do something great, and that's be hospitable. And I am great, grateful for them to be here. For our kids' teams, as a dad, I am super grateful for them. They're an incredible partner. 
And we provide those people to parents for free. Uh, they go back there and they teach kids about Jesus and it makes my job easier as a parent. And if we're honest as parents, it's not the easiest job in the world because we want the best for our kids. And so we, our kids have been back there since they were babies, well, except maybe the first few weeks. But they've been back there a long time getting that influence. And just this past year, because of that influence, I got to do what we saw earlier, and I got to help baptize my son. And so it's an incredible place to be. And so I would encourage you as a parent, you want to you wanna have some great influence in your life, I would take my kids to Kids Creek and Kids Cove because that's more fun than listening to a guy like me on stage. All right, I would just encourage you to do that. And for students... I mean, do I have to say too much? I mean, just to hear what a sixth grade girl and her group is doing. I mean, that's the influence that our kids have. They're getting that kind of influence. They're getting that kind of group leader. They're getting that kind of adult that's investing in their lives. And they're creating these opportunities for these students to get much further of a kickstart in life than I ever had or, or any opportunity that I ever took. Probably it was more on me than the other people, but it was on me. And to see what they're doing and to see them being baptized, it's just an incredible thing. We've got an incredible, incredible student ministry that's making a big difference. For our music team, do I need to say anything about them, right? They create this incredible environment for us to come in and to be able to sing, whether we like singing or not, to enjoy some moments. We have an incredible music team to give a lot of time that you and I don't get to see in this production team. Let me just say something about our production team. They not only make this environment feel good that we're in today, but they take what all of us are doing collectively and they're blowing it out on the internet all over the world and they're allowing us to have a reach much further than we could ever have because of what they do. There's some people in the back, there's some people in another room and they're working, you don't even know they're there, and they're working to make things happen and to make this thing called the Creek Church known. And so we have a lot to be incredibly grateful for, and I'm incredibly grateful for all these people that I get to live and do life with and to serve. So thank them so much, uh, so much for what they're doing. But gratitude is a big deal. It is a big deal. And, it, and what I found out with gratitude, that there, there's certain behaviors in our life, there's certain habits, there's certain things we do, that once we do them, it has a fallout. And these things we call keystone habits. And I think gratitude is one of those habits. It's a keystone habit. And they're basically positive outcomes. There are other things that happen because I did A. They don't necessarily have to happen, and I have to intentionally make them happen, although sometimes we do. But I want to do them because I did A right. I did A first. I expressed gratitude in this, in this situation. As a matter of fact, gratitude is such a big deal, science is looking at it. And here's just some positive out, outlooks that uh, science has found to be so if you are expressing gratitude. And here's some of the fallout from these keystone habits. One, you have influence. Well, that just makes sense. How, how many of you in here, you know, you, you want people just to be a jerk to you all the time? Nobody does. If you raise your hand for that, uh, let's talk later. I don't know what's going on there. But nobody wants that. But we want people to build relationships. And if we show gratitude, guess what it does? It makes people want to be in our life, to be attracted to us. And that, in turn, gives us influence. We all have influence to some degree. And the question is, how well do we express our gratitude and our thankfulness can be a component in this? Physical health. It's proven that when you have a, a little more positive outlook on life, you tend to take more positive steps in life, which means you look at the things that you want to improve. So when I'm grateful for the things that I have and I'm grateful for where I've been, then I also want my physical health to be the best because if it's at the best, then I'm, in, I'm at my best. And so that helps me want to trigger my eating habits and my physical activity so that I can be the best version of myself I possibly can be. Psychological health. Well, it just makes sense, right? Instead of 
Me thinking about how bad you are or how bad that situation is or how tough work is, if I go in every day with a little attitude of gratefulness, it changes everything. I don't see the stuff I don't like. I see the stuff I do like. And so it obviously increases my psychological health. More empathy, less aggression. Our world would do great just to have a little less revenge. You know what I'm saying? Because all of us, we have a natural tendency when somebody does us wrong to take revenge. But if we're a little more empathetic, aware, connecting, then perhaps we might have some people relating a little bit better to one another. And who couldn't have this? Better sleep. Anybody up with me this morning at 4 o'clock? All right? That was where I was. I could use better sleep. Improve self-esteem. Well, yeah. Because if people are wanting to be around you all the time and pumping you up a little bit because you showed a little gratitude, obviously your self-esteem might increase and then increase mental strength. Studies show that people that exhibit gratitude are starting to have a little more stride in overcoming things like post-traumatic stress syndrome and those types of things. Why? Because my focus goes on something else rather than on the negative that's in my life. Because sometimes it's hard to focus on the positive, am I right? It's a little hard when life comes at you and things are happening and there's things out of your control. And so gratitude is a big deal. Gratitude is a big deal. And so here's why I know it's a big deal. Because Thanksgiving's coming this week. And every one of us have uh, have thought a couple of things. We thought about how much fun we're going to have because we either love Thanksgiving or we're thinking, oh my gosh, I hope the day goes as fast as it can because I'm going to have to be around some family that I cannot stand or some people I do not like, right? And so people's always the linchpin in all these equations because of the good, the bad, and the ugly, the history, and everything that goes with it. I love Thanksgiving. I think it's an incredible holiday because there's lots of food. It's just the good. I can stop there. But here's what I know. If you have expressed gratitude, it provides you an opportunity to see things different and allows for what we're going to talk to do, talk about today is some margin. Some margin. We all could do a little more well if we allow a little more margin in our lives as it deals with our relationships with other people. Let me, let me, uh, let me give you just a little story. Um, this is about my father. We lost my father uh, nine years ago. Um, he lost a battle to cancer. But for eight years, he battled cancer. And I just happened to be in a Bible study at another church I served at long before I came to the creek. And in that Bible study, there was a, a gentleman leading it. And, and, and I had never really thought about it. I, I was good at probably saying thank you or, you know, using some courtesy terms. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. Those types of things. But I had never, I don't think I'd ever really sit down. I might have wrote a thank you note or two for something, but I'd never expressed gratitude in a big way. So my dad got sick the last time. It just so happened to coincide with this Bible study I was having, and this guy was talking about the tension that him and his dad lived with all all his life. Well, me and my dad never had much tension, but this guy did. And he came to discover through his study and through some other influence in his life, the best way to overcome that was to express his thankfulness and his gratitude. So he sat down one day with a torn relationship with him and his father. He wrote a letter of gratitude, and it changed everything. So I thought, you know what? My dad's done a lot in life. He's, he's gotten diagnosed for the third time. He he's not, may not be around much longer. And I think I need to sit down and write this letter, not knowing how hard it was going to be to write the letter. I just thought it was a great idea. It wasn't my idea. It was his idea. But when I sit down and write the letter, I learned a couple of things. Writing that letter was even more for me than it was my dad. Writing that letter did a couple of things for me. It made me stop and think about what others had done for me in my life. 
it made me stop and pull back the blinds and the curtains and not just see all the fog that we sometimes live in. Because if, if you're older, and, and it, you may be a student here today, you think this. You know, I used to think this with my mom and dad. I used to think, one day if I'm ever a dad, I am never doing that to my kid. I am never going to make my kid do that. I am never going to make my kid have that restriction. And now I'm a dad, and I see my dad in the mirror often every day. And so we embrace those things, right? But oftentimes we see those and we just like, I don't like that. You know, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be like that. But then I write this letter and I realize for me what gratitude does for me. It allows me to see my dad in a different light. I saw my dad different for the rest of his days from that point on. And here's what I was just, and I was writing things in there and it's what it did for him. So it pulled back the fog in my life and then it pulled back the fog in his life because I would write on there, dad, you know what? When my bike was stolen and we, didn't, we couldn't make it, you showed up and gave me a bike. He's like, how do you remember that? I remember it, right? Because we all have points of gratitude that mark us. And then I would write, you know, also, thank you for taking me to the hospital on said bike when I rode it down a hill and I woke up unconscious because I wrecked it. Thank you for caring for me. Well, he started crying. I'm like... I'm not even crying on that one yet. Hang on a minute. We got better stuff down there. But, it, but because it was, mar- it was a marker. It was a marker. And I know what it does. It changes the course of a relationship. It's hard to go back. Because when you see people for who they are, and not the fog of life that we live in week in and week out, because most of us put our head down and stay in our rut. Gratitude does something for us that we just can't always understand. And it's this thing called margin. It gives us margin. And margin is the space between your load and your limit. You know you can only handle so much. You can only handle so much physically. You can only handle so much mentally. You can only handle so much as a parent, as a spouse. You can only handle so much. And so if you can only handle so much, and then you've got a little bit of margin like on the page of a paper... And what a margin is, it's the space, it's the safe zone, it's the bumper, it's the thing that keeps you from going over the edge, it's the thing that helps your eyes stay focused on a page, it's the metal runs on the side of the road that keeps you, if you start to drift off the road, it keeps you from running into harm. You see, those aren't in harm's path, they're just before harm's path. And what margin does, it allows us to have room for our relationships and for safety with one another. Because there's things that want to take over that margin. The unforeseen circumstance that came today, the diagnosis of cancer in your family, the bad situation that happened with your kid, the terrible dating relationship your kids have made, whatever, you can fill in the blank because life's coming. And oftentimes when we are not grateful people and we're not looking for the things that are good, what happens is everything else fills up that margin and then we start running close to the edge. And when we run close to the edge, we screw up relationships and we do it well. Because here's the deal, you can't live life without having some kind of relationship. We have to interact with people. Margin will keep you from the edge. Margin will give you room to express love, to express gratitude, to express all the things that sometimes we don't slow down long enough to see. Again, a little bit of change can make a huge difference. And here's where it makes a difference. I just mentioned it. Margin makes a difference here with people. With people. Because we can really screw some things up, and some of us have. Some of us haven't. And sometimes people can screw stuff up with us. 
But people is a big deal. People's a big deal. You can't get away from them. As a matter of fact, you know the only thing that when we leave this life is people? That everything you collect here and do and the things that you put your time, energy, and effort on, guess where it stays? It stays here. But people is forever. Now, with Thanksgiving coming up, and we know the, the tension sometimes we feel with that when the holidays and Christmas, there's some things that happen with people and some things we don't like. Let me give you three things real quick. One, there are people we can't control. We think we can control sometimes, but we can't. You can't no more control me and what I do than you, than me controlling you. The, the, the family member you don't really like or that you've got to beef with or the, the person at work or whatever it may be, fill in the blank. There are people we just can't control. And guess what? They are who they are. There are situations we can't change. History's history, right? You can't change history. History's there. There's ex-spouses. There's broken marriages. There's broken relationships. There's people that have died, passed on. You, you name all the stuff. There's just some things we can't change. There's some circumstances that we will never be able to rectify. But there are situations we can't change. And number three, there are expectations that we can't compete with. You ever had those? I often found out that when you get married and talking to people, and when I got married, there's expectations, right? You learn all the other family's expectations. And you can do one of two things at those points when something's new. You can either shift the expectations and start something new for yourself. But oftentimes, we just can't meet people's expectations. You weren't here long enough. You didn't show up. You weren't there. When so-and-so was having a rough patch, you didn't even call them. You didn't text them. And we throw out blame and we throw out all kinds of stuff, not knowing what's going on in the other person's life. We can't control any of these things. We can't control people. We can't control oftentimes the situations uh, that have already happened. And we can't control expectations of other people. It's just very difficult to do and it's hard to manage. Are you with me? Because it is just, it creates tension. When we don't deal with it well, it creates tension. And oftentimes those tensions are always going to show up in relationships. And here's what I know. At the holiday season, this is what people can do to me. They can rob me of peace and joy. Am I right? But here's the thing. We've got to be honest this morning. If they can rob me of peace and joy, then here's the honest thing this morning. I can rob people of peace and joy. And here's why I mention that. Because this morning is what we're getting ready to talk about and what Paul's going to teach us in just a minute. It's that there's some things that I have control of. There's some things that I can do. There's some steps I can take. I don't have to worry about them. I need to worry about me. And the way I express me to them can, can make them shift direction, which means they can shift their mind, shift control. Such situations can change. Circumstances can be adjusted. But it takes a little bit of effort on our part. Again, a little bit of something can go a long way. A little bit of gratitude can change everything. You see, gratitude expressed creates margin for people. Could you imagine this holiday, you sit down at the table and say there was some tension, and before it got there, you handed him a card, or you pulled him in the side room, and you said, you know what? I need to tell you something. And then you just wax them with some great gratitude and thankfulness. Do you think the rest of the day is going to be a little different? I'd say the chances went up a whole lot right there. But we've got to express it. Gratitude expressed creates margin for people. And we all need margin. We want margin for us and we want margin for other people. We always want it for ourselves. But we also got to be able to want it in our life for other people. So Paul's going to teach us a few things that happen when we have a grateful heart. 
He's going to start off in this book of Colossians in chapter 3, speaking to this church. Paul had never visited this church. He had only heard of great things from this church. He was in a Roman cell when he wrote this letter to him. But there were some things he was wanting to help with and some things he wanted to encourage them with. And so in, Roman, in Colossians 3, uh, verse 1, it says this, Since then, since when? Well, he tells us in the first few chapters, since you became a believer, since you've been redeemed, since you've been saved, since you've been set free, we can fill in the blanks. Since then, you have been raised with Christ, so set your hearts. Set your hearts. Be intentional on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. This idea of setting, taking my mind, taking my heart, taking my emotions, taking my thoughts, and set them. If you played sports, you know what it's like to set your teammates up for something successful. In golf, you set a ball on the tee. Why? Because we want it in the air so that we can have more success with hitting it further. In volleyball, there's even a position called a setter. And that person hones their skill practicing day in and day out. Why? So that they can take the ball on any angle that's coming at them, pop it up in the air, and set it for their teammate who's going to cram it on your side of the net. You've got to sit. It, it takes intentionality. It takes practice. It takes your willingness to do it. Just like your watch. You have to set it if you want it to tell the right time and you want to be on track with the rest of the world. You have to have an intention. Paul is saying you've got to be intentional. This is on you. You have some ability to control. There's room here. And if you can control some thoughts, your thoughts will trigger your behaviors. And it will shift you in a new direction. Right? Nobody just acts. Our thoughts lead us to action. So we've got to set our minds. In the book of Romans, he would tell them, you've got to renew each day. Basically, not only do you need to set, but you need to reset. You need to reset. You need to reset. Why? Because life's coming at us, and it can come at us from different angles. And we've got to be ready for that moment. So be set. Set your minds. Set your heart. Not on these earthly things, but on things above. And this is what he goes on to say. Therefore, so now that I'm saved, and now that my mind is set, what do I need to do? As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. I'm thankful everyone's clothed in here. And I'm pretty sure you're thankful I'm clothed this morning. Now, you online, you're a different story. I don't know what you're doing this morning, but we'll say you're clothed. But all of us got up this morning, and we got in our closet or our drawers, and we took some intention, right? We made some decisions. We made some decisions, one, to put on clothes, which is a good start. Number two, we picked out our clothes to wear, and we put them on. We clothed ourselves. Now... I'm just going to tell you, nobody clothed me this morning. I did it myself. So I'm going to make an assumption you did it yourself. Okay? But there was an intention. I did it. I set out to do it. So what do we need to clothe ourselves with? What, what is this illustration all about, Paul? Well, number one, how about compassion? Wouldn't the world be a little better if we would show a little more sympathy towards one another? Right? When, when our life is not in a good spot, we want everybody to be compassionate towards ourselves. But oftentimes, we don't slow our life down enough to see the people that need compassion in our life or to realize they could have had a circumstance to change overnight and they need a little sympathy from us. This next one's great. How about kindness? Won't you put on some compassion and then throw a little bit of kindness on Show of hands. No, no, no show of hands. Who likes people to be a jerk to them all the time? Anybody wake up going, I hope my spouse is a jerk today. 
I hope my kids, I hope they just, I hope they show themselves to me all day long. Anybody? <laughs> Nobody, right? We want, we want kindness. We want to exhibit kindness to one another. We want somebody to levy a little bit of joy in our life. How about kindness? How about this one? I don't, I don't particularly personally like this one, but we've got to talk about it because Paul did. Humility. It go a long way for us to be a little more modest about who we are and the circumstances in which we live in. I think this one would go a long way if we could understand where we are to help with all of our entitlement issues. That just because you are doesn't mean you should have. But sometimes we've got to work for things a little bit and go after some things and work on relationships. But humility, if we could, our world could use it. What about your family, your friends, your relationships? A little bit of humility. How about this? Gentleness. Uh, I, yeah, this one. I, can, I tend to be a little rough sometimes. I'm just being honest with you. A little confession. I don't know why I'm doing this, but I tend to be a little rough. Gentleness could go a long way. I have a tendency, because the next one we're going to talk about, I have a tendency to jump, and when I jump, I'm a little rough, and a little gentleness goes a long way. You know why? Because if I have a little margin of gentleness that I've expressed towards somebody else, then I'm giving them an opportunity to let me tell what's going on or to give them room for whatever's happening in their life. Instead of assuming, I give them a chance. How about that for a minute? But to be gentle. Not only gentle, how about this? Patience. I hear the philosopher Axel Rose in my head right now. I don't, never mind. Some of y'all know where I was going with that. Just a little patience, right? But a little patience, so it goes a long way. Because we all want it exhibited towards ourselves. Paul says we've got to clothe ourselves with these things. You know why? Because it's what a believer does. They act like Jesus. Even when you think you have the right to be negative towards somebody, he says, take a step back. Take a step back. Why? How do I know that? Well, the, the next thing he tells us. Bear with each other. Bear with each other. By the way, I want to put a plug in here. Your spouse can be everything you need him or her to be. Your kids can be everything they need to be. But you need a group. You need a group of believers that are around you that can help carry some of the load. Because life happens. And there's things that want to fill up your margin. And take away the margin you need to give to other people. And you need to be living a life with some other people that can take your load a little bit. I have two men's groups that I get to hang out with. And those relationships are blooming and going, and, and, and you can just watch it move. And then people say, hey, remember to pray for me. And it just starts there. Remember this. Let's carry a load. Let's know that somebody's in it with you. I got a couple of texts this morning from a couple of people that knew what I was doing this morning. They said, hey, it's praying for you. They're bearing a little load this morning. Bear with each other. That means you got to get a little dirty. That means you have to do some stuff we don't want to do. It means we actually have to take some of what they've got and put it on ourselves. The scripture tells us that's what Christ did when he went to a cross. He took our load. He put it on his shoulders because we couldn't carry it or bear it. And he took care of it. And that's what we're supposed to do one to another. Bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Have you ever stopped and think about that? No, because we like the forgiveness and move on. But think about the stuff that you probably just had to be forgiven from. And forgive as God forgave you. He didn't, even, he didn't even ask you about it. That relationship went bad. No, the, the curse, no. He didn't ask. He said, I forgive. My grace is sufficient for you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. 
And here's going to be an example of it. Matthew is going to record some of the words that Jesus is speaking. He's starting his ministry. He's doing the, uh, if you've ever heard of it, he's on the Mount of Beatitudes. He's going and teaching in all these towns. He's healing. He's doing all this stuff. And then he tells a story to illustrate this a little bit. And I hope this helps this morning. This story comes out of Matthew chapter 5, and he records the words of Jesus. He says, therefore, Jesus says, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and then remember that your brother or sister has something against you, oh no, tension, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. This is the way I kind of see it, the way I've kind of been talking, this is what I kind of look at. You know, it's easy for us to get in our car when we got something wrong going on with somebody. We've hurt some feelings, said some things we wish we could have pulled back. We didn't do that. We took some actions. We, we lied. We did whatever. We, we hurt a relationship. And it's easy for us to take a step back, get on our knees, sit down in our car, sit down in our house, sit down in our chair and go, God, forgive me. And I really messed so-and-so up. I am so sorry. And then walk away and feel good about it. But as a dad... I don't really get that with my kids. When they do something to one another, they don't need to apologize to me. They need to apologize to one another. When they apologize to one another, guess what? They're okay with that. They're okay with that. What, what Jesus is simply saying here, your worship for, my dad, for our God, our Father, it's nothing. When you got something against one of his kids he died for. I'm going to go die for something. So much better that when you and I can get along, then we honor the Father in heaven who came down to die on a cross for me and for you. So that the debt of sin that we could not pay, he paid. Really what he's saying here? You can't love God without loving people. You can't. We can say it all day long. We can desire it all day long, just like gratitude. But unless, unless it is known, unless it is shown, you can't love God without loving people. And to love people is to say that I'm going to take the step because it takes courage. It takes a little bit of energy. It takes a little bit of whatever. And sometimes that's your group or your friends saying, you know what, Jack, you need to go make that right with that person. Bear with them a little bit. Push them a little bit. Kickstart them a little bit. And Jesus is saying simply this, if you've got something with your brothers, with your other people, they're people I died for. My God loves them. Our Father in heaven loves them. And he wants your relationship to be good. So go make it right. Go make it right. Be reconciled one to another. Forgive as God forgave you. This is the task. And can I tell you this? Gratitude can get you there quickly. Even when you don't have the courage, it can get you there. I say that with this in mind. There is a guy... I have no idea what I did to him. But we have a mutual friend. And just recently, the mutual friend says, you need to go and make it right. I'm trying to find a phone number right now to make it right. I'm going to make it right. I have no idea what I did, didn't do, don't really care. I just want to make it right. Because I hate that. I don't like hearing that. I don't like hearing that my human flaws come to the surface. But I am. I want to make it right. We need to make it right. Paul comes back to finish this in Colossians. He says, and over all these virtues, over all of them, the gratitude, everything else, over all of them, put on love because it's the binder for all these things. It's the binder. 
It's the thing that pulls it all together in perfect unity. You know what he's saying? He's saying this Jesus that came down to hang out with us, he was God that stepped out of heaven and he put on some things. When God could have been God and he could have took his revenge and he could have took his strike and he could have done whatever he wanted to do, he chose love and he put on kindness and compassion and humility and patience and gentleness for you and for me. What a great God that would love us in such a way that he would give his only life. Paul would say this, so here's what we need to do. Let the peace of Christ rule in your life, in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. Everybody likes peace. And be what? Thankful. Be what? Be what? And he ends it with thankful. And be thankful for it. Thankfulness and gratitude makes us realize what we've been given and what we've been handed. And it pulls back the fogginess of life so that you can see what's going on and what really is at stake. Because oftentimes what we see is life and its schedule and its circumstances. And we either live life by default or we make decisions and we set our minds and our hearts and we do these things. It's not going to come natural. You've got to make a decision to do it. Because here's what it comes down to. If you want to be peaceful, if you want to be peaceful, choose to be thankful. Be thankful. Everybody likes a thankful heart. And by the way, it'll change your attitude too. It has so many fallout effects. Gratitude, here is it. It is intentional. Loving others is intentional. You got to do it. If you don't, life happens. But you got to be intentional. You got to be intentional. Just like Christ was intentional with us. Here's what I'd like to leave you with today. Gratitude expressed creates margin to love people best and love God most. That's it. A little bit of gratitude can change every bit of this. A little bit of gratitude and thankfulness can bring peace. You imagine your holiday table this holiday, because you're going to decide today that if there is tension between people that's about to show up, it's about to be rectified with gratitude and thankfulness, not with blame, not with winning an argument. Because at the end of the day, Jesus didn't throw everything up we did or didn't do. He just said, I came to love you because you couldn't. I came to love you because you can't. I came to love you because you can't rectify your relationship with God without me, and I'm here to do it for you because I love you and I want the best for you. And here's what I know. If we'll choose to put on these virtues, if we'll choose to have gratitude, if we choose to be thankful, we do these things. Can I tell you what, what's next for you? The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. When you can't control the situation, the person, the circumstance, the, the idea of gratitude and thankfulness will shift it, will kick it off center. So let me do, put it in this light because it's the holidays and I've, I've mentioned it briefly. A lot of you, the holidays are going to be tough because you've lost somebody this year or last year. I lost my dad. But I'm grateful. 31 years 
I got to have a Thanksgiving. It shifts. Gratitude shifts. It shifts everything for you. And some of you all got some work to do. And you can't just keep wanting peace. And you can't just keep wanting to be grateful. You got to go do it. And the only person that can do it is you. So go do it. Go do it. Maybe instead of sending those Christmas cards this year that just says the Willis family, when I send it to somebody in my family, I might write a note in there, thank you for whatever. The Willis family. Because all of us like to be noted when we've been gracious towards others. The kindness of God leads us to repentance. And today, if you want to love God most, you'll express it with gratitude so that you can have margin with people, so that you can have influence with people. Because all of us in here, I hope if we call ourselves believers, for those of us who are believers, we want to see people like me before come to faith in Jesus because of our kindness towards them. A little bit of kindness, a little bit of gratitude goes a long way. You pray with me this morning. Lord, we're grateful. We're thankful. You're amazing. You stepped out of heaven. You humbled yourself. You put on all these things. You showed us how to do it. Lord, I pray this holiday season would be great for everybody that's hearing my voice today. I pray that you would help people to take steps of gratitude, to take action, to maybe write that note, to send that text. Maybe they make a little video and send it. Whatever steps they need to take, I pray that you would help us to do that. Because in us taking those steps, we don't see the things that we don't like. We see the things that, that are great about people. And we see that the best is yet to come. And then because of Christ in us, there's a better day ahead. And Lord, we know the best is yet to come. And we celebrate this Thanksgiving to you uh, with everyone. And we, we celebrate you with Thanksgiving. We celebrate grace. We celebrate the cross. We celebrate the power in which you came to give us life and life to the fullest. So God, we thank you for the, your, your kindness, your expression of love. And Lord, we just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being you. In Jesus name. Amen.